I can go low, but I can't go high. <laughs> I Every time we do this, I'm like, how am I a podcast host? I'm like, this, <laughs> this. That makes sense. I really love Narrowgate, and I think that's what got me here. But I, I don't even know anything about Luckily podcasts. for you, what got you here isn't your love for Narrowgate. It's Narrowgate's love for you. That, that is, that's way more accurate. No, I remember Colin asked me, and I was like, dude, I'm not sure I can do it. And he goes... So you just be the color commentator and just, <laughs> just like just be yourself and ask dumb questions every once in a while. I was like, I can, do, I can I do, can this. do that. I think I can do I'm this. Sure I, I might have been made for this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Narragate Podcast. I'm Weston. And I'm Logan. And this is the Cody Weeks episode. Mm-hmm. Cody Weeks is a is an old school graduate, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Known Cody for a while. You have? I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm no, I've known. I've known of him and we've been friendly with each other, but uh, I, I really feel like that I, I got to know Cody in a way that I, I didn't realize just how how much that guy loves the Lord. Mm, yeah, I, I think as, as you'll soon find out right off the rip, you're, you're going to understand that Cody is a sacrificial guy who, mm-hmm. who, who is, who is uh, man, uh, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but he, he, he clings to hearing the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And man, we've got some challenging stuff to talk through, some amazing conversation to talk through, but I, I was personally blessed yeah. by, by catching up with Cody today. Absolutely. Uh, please stand by for a special message from our producer. Hey, thanks, uh, you guys. So here's what happened. The camera malfunctions at the beginning of this recording. So... For the first 20 minutes or so, we'll just have a picture of Cody, but the conversation was so good that we want to keep it in there. So hang in there. Hang we'll, in there. We'll find the video. We'll get it. And then uh, it'll jump in about half, well, about a third of the way through. So mm-hmm. bear with us. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that won't matter to you. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, if you want to know more about Narrowgate, check out our show notes. I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, Cody, man, we have made it a habit to start every podcast by asking two questions. And these are going to be two familiar questions to you. And you can answer them however you want to. You can be however existential or practical or however you want to answer it. But the questions are, who are you and why are you here? I have a perfect answer for the first one. <laughs> I have a written statement. I do. <laughs> For those of you listening on the podcast, he has just pulled out his phone. That's right. We're, we're ready for this. This is a, a prepared response. I'm supposed to have it memorized, so it's not so prepared. But this is my vision statement. Yeah. My personal, my personal vision statement. I am beloved. I am a man after God's own heart, a slave to the Messiah, Yeshua. I love Adonai with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. I live a life the world is not worthy of with all of my trust in Adonai alone. I am fearless and courageous, and like the disciple who Yeshua loved, I will fellowship in the sufferings of the Lord, even unto death. By the spirit of Adonai, I am created to be a creator, fathered to be a father, chastened to be a son, discipled to be an emissary, called to be a prophet, first to Israel and then to the nations. As a husband, I make my wife's spiritual purity my greatest earthly treasure. I lead her in strength into the unfathomable riches of the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the Messiah's love. As a father, I declare identity and call it destiny while demonstrating being a slave to the Yeshua, to the Messiah Yeshua. I lead with the endurance necessary to inherit the promises in the land foretold to us by Adonai. 
And like Bezalel, I live in the shadow of Adonai, filled with the spirit of wisdom and understanding and all manner of workmanship. The entirety of my life and death belong to Yeshua. Uh, that's, uh, Just give that a moment. Yeah. Let's let that settle. It would have been way know. nicer if I had memorized. I, I don't know what I'm feeling I, right now. I, I and it's like amazement, but it's also like I feel there's some shame there that I don't have one of those in my pocket. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you, you're allowed to feel shame in this place, but I don't. I, Thank you. I, I, the whole Thank time you, you were talking, I'm like. Do we we just we just cut we just cut and print when thank you for coming because like how do we how do you add to that how do you I'll tell add you to that? I'll tell you, you, know, you I mean, I'm not the I'm not the guy that thinks organizational things and the standard way that we've always done things I always my wiring is always to reinvent the wheel so I'm never I'm never content with just doing things because we've always done them so when somebody tells me to do a vision statement I'm like oh it kind of like I get I have to deal with all of that headspace junk but I'll tell you the vision statement for me. It's like I'm standing on a pendulum every day and the vision statement has me tilt towards the kingdom and the voice of everything else in the world, whether it's words of man, the words of the enemy, the lies that are constantly running, have you fall towards thinking of the, in your flesh, in your own nature. And so anything that helps you fall towards kingdom thinking and this thing more than anything else, it like empowers me to keep following that way mm-hmm. over and over. And because it reminds me who I am. Yeah. We have an enemy who loves oh, to keep yeah. telling us yeah. who, who we were, who were, who were not, and like all of it. Yeah. How long have you had that? I, that was my statement. question. That, that reiteration. I've had a vision statement for probably eight years or something. I'm not great with time. That one last year in January, I, re- I did that reiteration mm-hmm. of it. Wow. And the big, biggest change in that one was to make my wife's spiritual purity my greatest earthly treasure. Yeah, that stood out. To that me. one yeah. hit me too. Wow. Because we got to think, all of us here, we, we basically have four roles in life. We're sons, physically, but also our Father in heaven. We're brothers to one another because we all do the will of our Father in heaven. We're husbands because we have wives and we're fathers because we have sons. Hmm. Those really are the only four roles that men have. And... Your wife is the one that's going to rub you the most, irritate you the most, challenge you the most, because she's going to know you the most. Mm-hmm. And she has the authority, not the authority, she has the ability to affect you more than almost anybody else on the planet. Yeah. Logan, I love you. Weston, I love you. If you were to say something really terrible about me, I don't really care. <laughs> I would never do that. You know? Especially <laughs> like it might, never that. say never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might sting for a second, but when your wife says something really terrible sure. about you, how much mm-hmm. weight mm-hmm. and how deep it cuts, but on the other side, when your wife says, hey, I don't, I don't even agree with you right now, but I trust you and I trust that you hear from the Lord and I trust that you're going to follow him with your whole heart. So I'll follow you with my whole heart because I trust you enough. Yeah. Makes you run against thousands and thousands and thousands. Wow. So we've kind of come out of the gate hot here. And I don't, I don't do any other I way. It. No, I mean, this is perfect. I love it. This is perfect. I, I, I want to just kind of cut straight to where did this come from? Like, where did this path, this journey towards encountering God in such a way that, uh, that you would be inspired to live your life by a, a vision statement like that? Like, where did that, where did that all start? It's gotta be, it's gotta be part of kind of the connections of my wirings where I always want to reinvent the wheel. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but just the idea that I'm always willing to challenge the reason we do things to know why are we doing them? Um, I had a really, you know, I became a believer when I was 18. I gave my whole life to the Lord right away. I lost a bunch of friends. My family thought I were crazy. (laughs) So I came to Narrowgate within like three weeks of being a believer. It was like 
all of the stuff. I turned 18, became a believer and came to Narrowgate. All and how long ago was that? That was in 2008. 2008. Yeah. So I'm 33 now. So I had never been to church or read a Bible before then. That was like my first, just giving my whole life to the Lord. So I did some good things. I did Narrowgate. I did YWAM. I did all of these experiences where I really did have the Lord revealing himself to me, where it wasn't, it wasn't in my court. He was just showing me who he was because I had no idea who he was. And he was really kind and really gentle. And during these times, I met this one guy who's still one of my closest relationships. His name's Rick Winicky. Uh, he's a sculptor in Israel. His story is really insane, really crazy. He's a non-Jewish believer, been in Israel for like 44, 45 years, served in the IDF, like all that stuff. And I apprenticed with him as an artist. He's a bronze sculptor. I'm an artist. So I apprenticed with him. And I remember in that time, he was the first person. So I'm I'm 22 years old, maybe at this point. So four years into the Lord. Yeah. I'm just brand new married as well. My wife has come with me to Israel to apprentice with him and his wife. And he was the first person who told me things that I really didn't like hearing, but I knew were the Lord, where it was very abrasive. It was very simple, but it would really, it would really grit against, oh, why do I think that? Or why do I assume this? Or why do I? And his, his whole simple principle, and I've, I've learned to also think this way because there's this thing that the Lord says, the Lord usually says things that are very simple, but kind of hard. And then we as humans and Westerners, we love to make them really, really complex, but easy. So we like to make it sound like we know a bunch of stuff, but it also is so that it makes it a little bit easier to digest where Jesus would say things very simply, yeah, but usually pretty hard. And one of the things it stands out to me all the time is not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven on that day. That's hard anyway. That's one of the hardest. And he's like, wait, Once what? People chew on and then, the and then he mouth, says, yeah. many will come to me and say, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal the sick in your name? Didn't we perform miracles in your name? And I'm going to say to them, I don't know who you are. Hmm. So the idea for me, when I hear that has nothing to do with doing things, it has nothing to do with what you do or what you accomplish, because he even says only those who do the will of my father in heaven. It's about knowing what is the Lord's will for you and doing it. That's what makes you a son is knowing what your father wants and everybody's life is different. So you have to be able to hear him, but he knows how to teach you his voice. So that's my simplest, most easy principle. And I'm not saying I'm perfect or right about anything, but if anybody asks, it's learn how to hear his voice mm -hmm. and then do what he tells you to do. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what's come of this path is just trying to hear from him and do what he's told me to do. Hmm. I, I, and of course you just, you just even mentioned, it's not about what you do, right? It's about hearing his voice. So, so much, the, the more you talk, I'm so tempted to ask you, so what are the cool things that you've been doing? Cause, cause again, from my, like from, from looking at a distance, it's like, man, Cody's, Cody's been on some adventures and, 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 and maybe, maybe the way to ask it is, man, what has God asked you to obey? And, and what's kind of the adventure that God's had you on, you know, these last, uh, when, when did you graduate? I, I it's been what have we talked about? Two thousand nine, like I think. Years uh, that'd now. be March of two thousand nine. Yeah. Oh, hey, that would be Colin, our producer over there, on his brand new microphone with stats. He's, he's, <laughs> Colin, do you remember my uh, phone number off the top of your head? No. Come on. Uh, it was three two five. I remember the three two five one, but not that one. Sorry. Again, man, this is me just confessing. Like, I mean, you, you continue to make the main thing the main thing. 
even even in the way you speak, which is so admirable. But like, I'm I'm just itching to ask you, like, what have you been up to? Even though it's not about what you've been doing, you know? Yeah. But for me, it is my life is trying to be submitted to what the Lord. So yeah. every everything I end up sharing is just a part of my story that yeah. the Lord's shown me and drug me through stuff to get to me to where I am. So I love telling the story because the stories are the monuments that the Lord's brought me through, and often. Often the the things that the Lord's asked me that were the most rewarding were the hardest things I've ever done and cost me the most. And this is something that I've, I've experienced within the Lord and knowing him and my own personal walk with him is that when he speaks, it demands a response. And he's way different than me and he's way higher than I am. And he thinks way higher thoughts than I think. And often all of his thoughts offend my thoughts because his ways are different. So, you know, the, there's been crazy stories that have happened. Honestly, we've had miraculous stuff happen, but I can't say that they're the most joyful things that have ever happened, but I'm still excited to walk them through because I know they lead to intimacy with the Lord. Um, and, and I don't even, I could jump into this story in so many on points and it could make the story however long. I think the first the first outside of myself encounter, because I was with Rick when this happened. So this was the first, okay, I'm willing this to hear Rick, Rick Winnicky, the sculptor oh, yeah, of Israel. Yeah. I was, this is when I'm, I become willing to not do what I want and realize that there's a, maybe a difference between my desires and the Lord's will for my life and being willing to submit my desires to his will. And so I felt like the Lord spoke something to me in the desert and I was all by myself. It was in this moment. So like I said, Rick is not Jewish. He's a full citizen of Israel. He's, he's been attached to Israel for longer. He's been in Israel longer than all of the Messianic believers that I know, which I know a bunch of them, all of them, you know, Rafi's dad and, and Alicia Lazarus's dad, like Rick's been there way long. Avi's dad, he's been there longer than all of them. And I heard the Lord tell me, Cody, I want you to tie yourself to the land and attach yourself to its people. And this is why I'm in Israel. And I mean, you know, I'm in the desert and the desert always feels like a place where the Lord can speak to you anyway. And I'm an artist. So deserts and artists, we always like each other anyway. <laughs> and I got like this really, really soft moment where I was like, oh, that sounds amazing, Lord. And then I said, Lord, I think I want that too much to know that it's you and not me that's saying it. So will you please, just as a son, I'm just trying, Lord. Will you please confirm it to me in a way that's outside of myself so that I can know that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to not do what I want. Will you please just confirm it to me so I know I'm doing what you want? And I'm a very, baby. That's a you know? way to ask that question. I'm a baby. And he'll grow with you. It's not like he yeah. always expects you to be a baby and a toddler. But I was a baby and a toddler. I was four years old in the Lord. That's like perfect toddler age, you know? <laughs> and... And then I even like, you know, snuck in because Rick woke up with a voice speaking to him out loud in the middle of the night with a verse. And that for him, that was Isaiah 14, one. He woke up hearing that verse. He was also brand new in the Lord and he didn't have a clue what it was. He went and looked it up and it said, the stranger shall, I shall again choose Jacob and the stranger shall cling to the house of Jacob. And he was in Israel working on a kibbutz. And then he went and applied for residency, all the miraculous stuff that happens. So I, I say to the Lord in this place of like, Lord, I think I want this too much. Will you please confirm it to me? And I said, and, and if you don't mind, Lord, could you do it the same way you did with Rick and, and speak out loud to me with a voice in the middle of the night in a verse 
but it, could it be a different verse? Because as far as I know, there's nothing else like that in scripture. And that was it. That was my prayer. And I didn't know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, you're in the desert by yourself. And so you're just, you're just in that moment. And then, you know, you go back to working and apprenticing and I come back from Israel with my wife, Nikki, and, and I'm working and I'm trying things. Everything starts being different with the Lord where at the beginning of my life with him, it's like anything I put my hands to just flourished. It's like, I went all over the world. I never raised a dollar. I never asked for a dollar. And people would just come up to me and like, Cody, I think you're supposed to go here. Here's money to go. Or, hey, I don't have enough money for YWAM. And I'm going, going to YWAM on a Sunday. I leave to New Zealand and I have no money. I had enough money to book my flight. I booked my flight. And they tell me in the email, do not come if you don't have your school fees. I'm like, well, that's dumb. <laughs> I'm going. So, and I'm, I leave Grace Center or Grace Chapel early because I have to catch my flight. And as I'm running out, a guy named Jimmy Rice comes running out to the foyer out front, and he says, "Cody, Cody, when do you when do you leave?" And I'm like, uh, "Right now. I'm I'm leaving right now." And he says, "Oh, I'm so glad I caught you." He says, "I have a check for you." He gives me a check. He says, "Jay Fryer has money for you." He gives wow. me money, and then he's like, "And this other guy that I know, I told him about you, and he wanted to help." And so he gave. So I had three things of money, and when I counted them later, it was exactly my school fees. The day that I was going, this is the kind of stuff. Like I didn't I didn't do anything. It was just the Lord showing me his faithfulness because I had no idea who he was. Then at this point, it's maybe like five or six years now in the Lord. So I'm back from Israel for a year or two and it starts being different. This is one of the times I love to share with young believers because this is totally true. At some point, the Lord changes the way he interacts with you because it's time for you to start becoming like him. I mean, that's what, that's what we all do with our children. Exactly. I mean, yeah. as, as as good fathers, I mean, and you, you don't, you want them at some point to not need you to feed them. Their yeah. spoon, you know, it's yeah. like you expect them to grow and to be responsible for things as their maturity goes. We're, we're currently dealing with uh, our one-year-old who, who is, is now using utensils, but as soon as she's done, I mean, she's talking, tossing that plate. We've mm -hmm. tried everything we can just to like, no, 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 you can say all done. You don't have to eat anything you don't want to. Just please don't throw it over your shoulder like you're starting a party. So again, but yeah, it, it, it's. It, God is such a more perfect father than, than we can even imagine. For so sure. again, not, not to impose our humanity upon him, but clearly, yeah, man, I want, I want to hear more about this. So in that change, it started being, oh, this is so great because in reality, what happened physically and practically is everything I put my hands to started failing and nothing I wanted to happen happened and everything started going south. And then you start having to ask the real questions of like, Lord, do I even know you? Did I, did I miss you completely? Did I walk away? Like, why is, and the truth is, is it has nothing to do with how well or how not well you're performing. It has to do with the Lord. It's his time. There's a season of time. Every young believer is going to go through it hmm. where he starts interacting with you differently. So he can start growing you up. And it was in my lowest, my first lowest point with the Lord, my first like darkest Valley, my first Valley of death, my first dark night of the soul. And I woke up in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., because I heard a voice speak out loud to me, Ezekiel 47, 22. And I shoot up in bed and I'm sweating and my heart's racing because I feel like I'm so far from God. I feel like I'm doing everything to try to be near to him, but he's not, he's not responding to me. He's not speaking to me the same way. I run, I get my Bible, get my headlamp, shine it on there. You shall divide it by lot as an inheritance for yourselves and for the strangers who dwell among you and who bear children among you. They shall be considered native born among the children of Israel 
And whatever tribe the stranger dwells, there he will have his inheritance, says the Lord. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, I had no idea this passage existed. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking like, it's not really one that you get up and do your devotional on, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's not like you're reading it when you walk into churches right. on yeah. the wall yeah, or anything yeah. like that. You know, I find that on a bookmark at Lifeway. <laughs> but I had, I had this huge, huge realization. The Lord spoke to me and he made something really clear to me. And in that same moment, and this has carried me from, so this is really the beginning of mine really dying to stuff with the Lord, which is like the thing that if I had any word to des describe my life with, with the Lord is struggle. Okay. I struggle through everything and he knows, knows this about me. But I realized in that three o'clock in the morning, all by myself, the Lord spoke to me. And then this fear of the Lord fell on me where I can't ever deny this. I'm going to be carrying this word for the rest of my life. I can't, I don't know what's going to come of it. I have no idea, but I know I can never just unchange, unhear what just happened and act like this wasn't a part of my story. Yeah. And with that came this weight of what is the Lord going to do with me? What is the Lord going to speak to me next? What am I, what am I going to have to do to respond to this type of word? And that leads on to the rest of the stories. And, but ultimately the thing that, that connects me with young guys, which, you know, I was just in Israel after the war started and I'm hanging out with these, mainly these six or seven young Israeli believers that are all, five of them are about to go into the IDF because they're 18. And yeah. then two of them had just gotten out and trying to get back in reserves. And honestly, the, the thing that ends up being the only point of authority, the only thing that you can really give to people is something that you own. You don't get to teach something out of the Bible and act like, this is your thing to share. You yeah. know, you might be a gifted teacher and the Lord might tell you to teach something at the right time, all this stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't work, but when you own something, then when you share it, you can actually give it to them. And so it was like this perfect epitome because the Lord had brought me through so many things in my life with him that these young Israelis would buy me beer so that I would stay up late with them and sit out in the dark outside of the property lines and, and, ask me questions until midnight or one in the morning. What kind of questions are they asking? I'm just, just about the Lord. How do you follow yeah. him? How do you hear from him? What do you, what do you, how do you, how do you stay on fire for him? How do you serve him? How, you know, all of these real questions, these are like really well formed, mature believers, but something that, that it's also stuck with me through this whole, whole deal is that if you think that following the Lord, it's the opposite of what mostly gets shared is that if you're really clinging to the Lord and you're really following him, you can expect adversity and you can expect suffering. Yeah. Because you don't get to partake in his riches until you fellowship with his suffering. So following the Lord isn't just this, oh, everything's great deal. And he blesses me because I love him and I bless everything he blesses. And I only do, if you really want to be with him in things, then you too have to go through hardship and he'll pull you through and in it, you get to fellowship with him, which there's no greater reward than fellowshipping with him. And this is the same idea that he had his 12 dudes. It would have been great to be, be any one of the 12. Then he had his three. And it would have been really sweet to have been with the Lord in the garden where he's really struggling to do the will of the father. The only time that we really know where he's, he's really struggling with doing the will of the father and not his own will. Three times, you know, will you, if there's any other way, will you take this cup from me? But then those three, there's only one guy 
that hears what the seven last words that he utters on the cross. There's only one, one disciple that hears those words. So it's like how, how, and the closer you get to the Lord, the less stuff you get to bring with you, you know, it's <laughs> like you don't get to carry everything with you. Yeah, it's a good one. So there's like, there's this preparation. I, I, I like when young believers realize that it's worth, there's nothing you can lose for his namesake that isn't worth it. That doesn't mean inflicting self-suffering because that's still about self. It's about being willing to follow him at all costs and dying to your own desires, your own wants, your own needs. And I read this quote in one of my, is maybe my second or third dark night of the soul. I've gone through a few of them. <laughs> and so I, I was in Poland. We had gotten given residency to Poland. This is all a part of the story. Got denied residency in Israel years later after eight times of applying. Five dreams about moving to Israel during winter in COVID. COVID happens the last day of winter. The Lord told me in a dream we had to go in winter. Like all of the things. We, were the, we All my friends got kicked out of the country that weren't Jewish or weren't Israeli. And it's just me and my family. I have a one-year-old and a pregnant wife. Everything's confusing, but I'm so certain we're supposed to be there. And it's the first time that the Lord had made this promise to me. He had woken me up in the middle of the night, such an intense way to hear something. And then he starts asking me if I'm willing to, to die to the promise, if I'm willing to put it back in his hands and trust him with it. And I can't help but like always connect to like Abraham. Abraham received a promise, but then the Lord asked him to sacrifice, to kill the promise. And it says after that, he was never tested again. I'm not saying I'm never going to get tested again because I get tested all the time. So I'm obviously still not there. But the idea that, and this was in that book in Poland, the hardest point, I got given residency in Poland. I don't want to be in Poland. I don't like Poland. I don't, it doesn't connect to my attachment to Israel. It doesn't, it's like, it's in Birkenau, the death, the biggest death camp of the Holocaust. It's like the opposite of the promise. And I read this one line of Francis Frangipan book which isn't a dessert book, which it sounds like it should be. I, that's so funny you said that because I thought in my head, like I thought of it like a dessert, like a treat. You know? <laughs> Frangipan. Frangipan. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I, it's like, that's the connotation <laughs> in my brain. Uh, it's marzipan. Marzipan, <laughs> for sure. That's it. I was like, marzipan. Marzipan. I was like, like the little cakes. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I contribute to this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congressman, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> marzipan. And it said the hardest thing, I read the whole book. I was in a really low place. Because my, I, this is what the Lord was asking me. We, to get given residency to a place that you don't want to live and you meet zero of the five requirements and you get given residency before you even ever step foot in the country, miraculously. Didn't even apply for residency. Hmm. The Lord's asking me to respond. Are you willing to come here? Are you willing to live in this place? So my only response is, okay, we'll go. So we go to Poland. I, I, I hate it. It's so hard. It's hard for my wife. It's hard for my kid. How does she respond to that? Is God giving her a similar call or, or some kind of, is she just trusting in you? Point, absolutely not. Hmm. This is talk about like the utter, everything you think, you know, gets shaken. Hmm. And you're battling with like, why is this so outside of me? And why does no, like, why does my wife not think it's the Lord at all? She's willing to still go with me because she's amazing. And she trusts me enough to know that I don't just do what I want to do. This is, this is at some point I have to get to the principles of, of death before the Lord, because it, it's, it's a position you have to be in as a leader of your family. I'll, maybe that's the next thing I'll jump into. Sure. But 
in this book, lowest place on the planet. Lord, I don't want to live here. I have no idea why I'm supposed to live here. I have no idea why it's hard for my family. I have no idea for anything. I, all I have is questions. I have no answers. So I'm not like in this great encouraged mood and I'm reading this book. I don't remember anything about the book. Don't even remember the name. I just remember this one line. And he says, anything, the hardest thing for man to do will be that anything that God has promised you at some point, he will ask to put back in his hands. And it's like the idea that until you give the promise back to him, it's not, it's not his, it's yours. You're owning it. Yeah. And until he owns it, then he doesn't get the glory for it. Oh, so that describes this whole season of learning to die to your own desires, to your own wants, and then this process has been like two years now of us getting moved to Poland. So that's the next thing that's kind of coming up after we have this son. And, you know, honestly, it's still full of questions. The Lord's brought me through a lot of stuff. So there are a little bit more key elements to it. But he's still asking me to do something yeah. I don't want to do. Hmm. Ultimately, the Lord might ask you to do stuff you don't want to sure. do. Man, I, I just, uh, as you're talking, I can't help but think I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just hearing like, this is, this is what a life, this is what, this is what it really looks like. If I can just <laughs> kind of speak over you for a second of like, this is what it looks like to, to live, to be a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you, you mentioned Abraham and, and the son of promise. And like, it's, it's just one of my favorite passages of scripture or little factoids about the Bible that the first time the word worship shows up in the word. Is with that sacrifice. Is, is Abraham mm -hmm. looking at the servants and saying, y'all stay here with the donkey. Me and the boy are going to go worship. Mm -hmm. And, and, and just, just every, everything you just shared. It's like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not only God asking you to give back into his hands, everything he's given you, but also the promise that he's spoken over you. Mm -hmm. And, and so again, man, I'm just, that's all like, I'm just hearing that over and yeah. over. The more, the more that you speak is like, this is what, this is what it looks like to trust the Lord to where every moment of your day is worship. Yeah. Because, because you are living as a sacrifice and, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, man, that I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. Just it's what it looks like Ooh. to actually like follow Jesus. You know, that's one of those like phrases that kind of comes up and it just, you know, gets said so much like, you you know, I follow Jesus, but if you're following Jesus, that means that he's going somewhere and you're not asking for directions. You're not, yeah, you, you know, you're feet, not calling you out and saying, do I go right or left? You just I go like where he goes. I like the way my goes. feet feel all planted you know? where they are. Like yeah, how weird I, would I it mean, be? How weird would it be if we were going on a hike and I was walking in front and I <laughs> turned left at this fork in the road and you, and then I turned around and I said, Hey, turn left. Yeah. You, that'd be weird. It's like, no, you just, I'm saying, cool. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm I didn't need you, to, you. I didn't need you to say that. I'm just, I'm just going to go where you go. I and mean, that's what you're doing. You're not, you know, you're not asking for these, you know, step-by-step -step instructions. Like God, where do you want me to go? God, what do you want me to do? What's what door do you want me to walk through? You're just following him. You're going where he goes and where he calls my, my, and I, this is the advice I give to people when they, cause they always end up asking the question, well, how do you hear from him? It's a great question. It's a great question to ask him, you know, and let him, because he knows how to teach his kids to hear his voice. Mm. It's one of the, the baby believer 101 courses is my sheep know my voice, mm -hmm. you know, and he'll speak to you in a way that you can hear him and he'll make it clear. And as you go, he'll keep teaching you. But it's like one of the things that Jesus says, it's really simple, but it's not necessarily easy. And it's about following him. He says, he who wants to come after me, say no to yourself. Mm. That's the first principle is say no to yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. It's like, if you need to start wanting to start hearing him, this is always what I say. 
start saying no to yourself. Hmm. Just let that be, okay, I'm willing to not do something that I want. And honestly, I can't hear from the Lord if my emotions are too involved either way. And yeah. so I always have to get to the point where I'm really willing to not do what I want to do. Yeah. And like really content that I'm not, I don't have to do what I want to do. And I'm really content that I might have to do what I don't want to do. I become at peace with either one of those solutions. And then I'm at a place where I can hear the still quiet voice. And, and, and I guess it kind of goes without saying, cause you, you were a baby believer when you came to Narragate, mm -hmm. but I mean, th th this is, was, was this kind of the foundational bit for you of, I, of what that means? I mean, I, I feel like I was maybe like a punk high schooler when I left Narrowgate. I loved it. I always did. Yeah. I was always thankful for it. And then there was like a couple years where I just like, oh, I need to get out. I need to try my own things. And then as I started being like mid twenties, 26, 27, started getting really shaken and really tested by the Lord. I started becoming really tender and really, <laughs> really thankful for my time in Narrowgate. Mm -hmm. And as I've gotten older and older, I've become even more and more and more and more thankful because there's nothing there's nothing more foundational than losing everything that you have and starting to try to follow the Lord. Yeah. And that's what Narrowgate was for me. Yeah. It was the first place of just dying, just getting rid of everything yeah, so that you can start to trying say to say no to yourself. It's yeah. like sometimes you need to shake up your life yeah. pretty Big severely. And it's easy when, when you're able young. to do it's that. It's easy when you're a single young guy. And then yeah. you got to start building those monuments because it just gets harder. The more family you start having, the harder it gets to start being willing to shake up everything. Yeah. To, so you got to have the little monuments along the way. And Narrowgate for me, I am so thankful for it. I tell the stories of Narrowgate and hopefully I don't embellish them too much, but I tell them from my perspective of being true. And I remember my first 30 days at Narrowgate, I feel like I cried about everything. It was like my first place of getting out of my family environment, which was really unhealthy, really toxic family environment. My, both of my parents were alcoholics. Both of them were abusive in different ways. Um, dad passed away when I was right out of Narrowgate. But also there's so much stuff in Narrowgate because he, it was the first obedience I feel like I had the Lord that was like really something I didn't want to do because at the father's blessing at your graduation, mm -hmm. I had desperately wanted anybody else besides my dad to do a father's blessing. I didn't know, I didn't have a clue who I would ask, but I was just, it can't be my dad because he's just not the guy. And I felt like the Lord asked me, I want you to let your dad bless you. Mm -hmm. And I did. And I, I mean, I don't remember the exact dates, but I think it was like a few months after that he passed away. Wow. And it was like, wow. and I think that grace from the Lord has rested on me because I was willing to, that honored my father hmm. was to let him bless me yeah. as his son, you know? Yeah. Wow. So I've become super thankful for Narrowgate yeah. over the years more How and more How close and more were and more. you guys in your time in Narrowgate? Oh, oh see, I, I graduated at all. seven. Oh, seven. And you were, did nine. I know you when I was in there? I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe uh, my brother might've been a student, Josh. Mm -mm. No, mm -mm. I don't remember. I don't remember how I ever met you. <laughs> I know as soon as we met though, we were like, Oh, Oh yeah. No, we've been aware of each other for, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys had like a pre-existing, you know, relationship. Cause I've known you for a while, but I, I don't really know you. Right. You right. know? And so like, I'm, I'm hearing all these stories that you're telling and like, you clearly love the Lord and you have a passion for him and you know, his, his, his will in your life and through your life. And so I'm curious, like, I know from personal experience that when you are passionate about something or someone, it's because of a, um, you know, it's because of a, a deep intimate, you know, connection or experience that's happened. And for me, um, you know, I know that for those who have been forgiven much, love much, oh, right? And so like, I'm curious, like before Narragate, you said you were a believer for like three weeks yeah. and then you came to Narragate, like what happened? What, what did, what, 
how did God, uh, rescue you? Like what, what did he, what did he pull you out of that caused you to have such a deep love for him? Um, if I'm really honest, my childhood was such a mess and it can be summed up how messy it was when I was 14 years old. So first of all, my first seven years of life weren't even in America. So I've all, I was always getting displaced. I was always outside. My dad was in the Air Force. So we're, six, we're six really? years in the UK, a year wow. in Italy. And then bumping around in America in different places. And the longest I ever lived anywhere was when I went to high school in Abilene, Texas. I have no friends because I'm about to go into high school. So we just moved to Abilene. I have no friends. My mom has a stage of cancer that doctor said she's probably not going to live from. My dad is a non-functioning alcoholic. My grandpa has Alzheimer's and lives in my bedroom with me. Hmm. And I change him at night and take care of him at nighttime. So I'm taking care of my about to die mother, who I have no emotional connection with at this point in my life. My, I caretake for my dad, who's a non-functioning alcoholic, who can't drive, can't work, can't do anything. It's called parental inversion. And an Alzheimer's grandfather who can't do anything for himself, can't feed himself, can't take care of himself, can't go to the bathroom by himself. And I'm 14 years old and I have no idea about anything. Mm. So drugs are involved. Friends are involved. Girls are involved. All of that stuff is a part of the story. And you're in a different country than you've, you know, been in for most of your life. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't even know that that's a relation point. I end up, I'm really thankful. I mean, the, the bottom line is I'm thankful for all this stuff that happened to me. I, mm -hmm. I like rejoice over it. I'm so glad that it happened. I, that's such a crazy position yeah. to be in. Still sad sometimes. Sure. But I'm thankful for it because... I knew that I had nothing to offer anybody. And sometimes we can like trick ourselves to think that we do have a lot to offer. Sure. I'm, I think my greatest strength is that I am totally, totally aware of how weak I am. I know that, that I have nothing. And so I just have this random friend who was kind of like maybe the weird church guy. You know, maybe a little bit too churchy for my group of friends, but he was always nice to me. I had, I was friends with everybody. It was like, I don't, I, it's such a special thing to think about. I was friends with every friend group on the planet in my school. And he was really nice to me. And he told me about Jesus one day and he starts communicating things. I don't even remember the language of it, but the idea that this guy is willing to take my life, which is valued less than anything. Like I know it's worth nothing. And he'll give me his life. And the idea that somebody was willing to pay a life for a life. And I knew mine was worthless. So why is this guy want to pay for my life? This is, this is so, so my, my greatest strength as a believer is it's really easy. I came into this thing with nothing. <laughs> I, I'm just glad to be at the party. Like to fall back to the place of gratitude, like, he gave me everything and I had nothing. So I don't need anything to be content. If he never does anything else for me ever again, it's, it's enough. There's, there's a song that, that you sing in Hebrew culture uh, called Dayenu. And it, the, the, what that word means is it's enough. And you sing, go through all the stories of the children of Israel and all the stuff that Adonai did, bring him out of, out of Egypt and through the desert and through the wilderness and into their enemy's territory. And, and after every phrase, Dayenu. Die, die, anu, die, die, anu, die, die, anu, die, anu, die, anu, die, anu. It's like if he, and it, what it's saying is, if he had only done this, it was enough. 
If he had only taken us out of Egypt, it's enough. If he had only pulled us through the wilderness, it's enough. If he had only brought us into the promised land, it's enough. So for me, if he had only ever just plucked me and saw value in me and, and paid for me, it's enough. I don't need anything wow. else. So from that point, because, you know, I really appreciate you guys, some of the, the really encouraging feedback, because the truth is it's not a lot of fun sometimes to be with your friend who likes to tell you that things really only get worse with the Lord. Like the more you die, the more, the more you've died, the more he's going to ask you to die. And you realize there is joy in this, but often you can get kind of like separated a little bit because you're always talking about the Lord's will and not. So it's nice to get nice feedback, but the bottom line is I'm just really thankful. Well, dude, I mean, you're, you are an inspiration to me just sitting there like to, to hear somebody so articulately, articulately, I can't even, what, how ironic is that? I can't articulate the word articulate. You said it so well, uh, just the, the, the depth of our own human brokenness and the fact that, that no one is righteous. No, not one. We have nothing to bring to the table and like nobody deserved or earned God's favor or God's grace because it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with who he is. And like, I, I, I love to hear someone emphasize that it, I, it wasn't because of me. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it's, it's really, ref oh, sorry, I didn't uh, cut you off. Uh, it, it's, it's really refreshing. Um, especially for me personally, just kind of in the, in the, in the season I'm walking through for somebody, for somebody who's genuinely rejoicing, um, man, it, uh, Paul's words uh, that, that we, that we would, um, that we would boast in our infirmities, that we would boast in our weaknesses, mm -hmm. uh, so that Christ can be exalted like through us. Like it, it is refreshing to see somebody living that out in such a genuine and humble way. Um, and, and I just see that all over you, man, mm. that, that, that's, that's just naturally what spills out of your mouth. Um, and obviously giving glory to God that he's led you to this place. Uh, I, I feel like I've been one of those guys who's easy to talk about that, who, who's easy to turn to the word and say, yeah, like in, in my weakness, you know, he, he's, he's the strongest. And, and so I rejoice in my infirmities. Mm -hmm. But I, I just, man, I just see you just living that, living and breathing that. And it's, it's refreshing. It's, it's, it's nice. When the Lord crushes you, it's a kindness. Yeah. I've been crushed so many times from the Lord. And the thing that I don't want to get communicated is, and this happens often when I start telling stories of residency in Poland and, and stuff like really crazy stuff. It's like, there's no, I don't like when people try to make somebody out to be special because we're all supposed to call them Lord. We're all supposed to boast in our infirmity. We're all supposed to be in this place together. Yeah. And you know, the fact, like if you're a really smart guy, okay, well you don't get to boast in your wisdom because your wisdom is foolishness to the Lord. You know, it's like, it doesn't, it, we're all on the equal playing grounds. It's like the rich man can't boast in his riches. The strong man can't boast in his strength. The wise man can't boast in his wisdom, but he who boasts, boasts in the Lord. So it is important to know. It's like, this isn't some, position of like, Oh, Cody's so amazing. That it's, <laughs> it's like, no, we're all supposed to be crushed. If yeah. you're willing, he'll crush you. And when you crush, when you get crushed, then you know that it's not you. Well, you know? it's such a, it's such a needed, um, truth to hear, uh, as, as you present it just so naturally, 
and, and, and maybe when we really break it down, it's supernaturally. It's not, it's not our nature. (laughs) It's his, it's his innocent through us. But, but for a guy, you know, for, for a young student, you know, graduating, graduating out of Narrowgate and maybe, and maybe hearing this, the truth is, is they're going to be released into a world where there's lots of conflicting spiritual messages, you know, um, health and wealth, name it, claim it. It's like, Mm -hmm. sometimes you need to see a life well lived who is finding the most fulfillment in the fact that sometimes suffering is what God calls us into. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we'll pull you through because we'll you, you through can't, it. you can't in your own nature, yeah. die to your own nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It requires the Holy spirit mm-hmm. yeah. to even die to ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like everything about our lives has to be relying on him to yep. do it anyway. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this. I don't want to breeze by it too fast. It was something, something you mentioned, you know, a pretty recent, did you say one week, two weeks after the war started or was it number the of Saturday days? Saturday after the war started in Israel, I went to Israel. All right. I, I feel like maybe is, whether this is my own curiosity or the projected curiosity of our invisible audience right now, but like, I'm what, with you. I'm I, not invisible. I think, I think I know the answer, but I'd love to hear you say it. What, what, what is it about a guy who sees war breaks out and then days later he's like, I got to get there. So well, can you walk us through that? Yeah. And I'll be really clear. It was a day of the war starting that I knew I had to go. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Well, what, what's but, that about? But that was, and that's the reason this jumping in point to the story is so important. These, I'm going to be able to touch the principles of that I was talking about within marriage. Um, because this was all part of this story of going to Israel to have a wife that is in unity with you to go to a war zone for an undetermined amount of time and to bless you and to pray with your sons for you and to cry with you and to fear the Lord over anything else is required. This is, this is the greatest treasure on, on the whole relationship totem pole is to have a wife that fears the Lord and doesn't just use words and say, yeah, that's a good idea, but will actually put down everything that she has on the altar, even her husband to the Lord. So the, I, the fact is, is that I had made peace and said out loud to the Lord over the past, since 2020, we left Israel. We didn't get our residency that I felt like he had told me to apply for. All of the dreams, all of the stuff. It was a very confusing time getting given residency to Poland. And over those years, I died to the promise that I have in Israel. I've died to this promise. And in my death to this promise, it's like years. So it's not like I was just like so nicely, oh yeah, Lord, I'm dead to this. It's like I had to really die to it. Yeah. And maybe, maybe six months before this war broke out, I say out loud in my frustration, but in the honest parts of my heart, Lord, if I never go back to Israel, that's okay with me. As long as I'm performing your will, as long as you will use my life for something, then I'm willing to never go back to Israel. I give up all of the inheritance that you've promised to me in Israel and my connection and even stuff within my family that I didn't know about, I'm willing to give it all up and I'm, I'm content. Even if I just have to stay in this house for the rest of my life. Okay. There was no like immediate from the Lord booming from heaven. Like, Oh, now you get to enter into the, it's like, you really think that maybe that's it. And then the war breaks out and you hear what you think is that voice that you recognize, Cody, you have to go. And I'm like, whoa, Lord, I said I would never go again if, I, if you didn't want me to. So 
I think I'm hearing from you. Lord, I'm willing to go. I'm also willing not to go, but I'm only going to go if you make it really clear that wherever I land, I can immediately start helping. A green light, meaning I'm not just taking up a bed. I'm not just taking up food. I'm not just like floating around. As soon as my boots hit the ground, I can start physically, tangibly helping. And so I start looking through all of these options. You know, I have lots of friends in Israel, lots of connections. Ends up being somebody I don't know at all, who's connected to somebody that he doesn't know at all. I get his number. I call him. He's the one person out of all the stuff I reached out to. Hey, non-Israeli, American passport holder, can I help? Given my skill set, which isn't really that great, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some contacts within the land so he can, you know, have references. He calls me, calls my references, says, yep, you can come right now and you can start helping right now. I'm like, okay. So the only reason that I, I can be trustworthy with my wife, principle number one for following the Lord and being married. The reason I can be trustworthy with my wife that, hey, I think the Lord's telling me to go to Israel and I don't know for how long is because I know that I'm willing to not go. I've died to the promise. I've died to a destiny. I've I don't need anything from this to fulfill any part of me because I'm totally content to do whatever the Lord says, whether it's something I really don't want to do or it's something I do want to do makes no difference to me. I've died to this promise. So I'm trustworthy that when I feel like the Lord's telling me, my wife knows if I go to her and I tell her, I think the Lord's telling me this, it's built on the multiple graves I've built for myself over and over <laughs> and over and over again. So often in the West, we get, we get an obscure wife, husband, role model miscued. And it's miscued because of misrepresentation because wives don't want to submit to husbands that are not submitted to the Lord. Nobody wants to submit to some goober, you know, that's just doing whatever he wants at the cost of everybody else. Like that's just, that's not healthy. But as men and as husbands and as fathers and leaders of our family, we don't get a do whatever you want free card. We get, as we are subject to the Lord in all things, we're subject to the Lord in all things. If he's Lord, he's Lord. You can't have two Lords. You can't, you, if he's Lord, he's Lord. So as a husband, as a father, principle number one is you have to die to your destiny. You have to die to your calling. You have to die to the promise from the Lord. Until you do, don't, until you do that, you're not trustworthy for other people to trust that you're hearing from the Lord and not just needing something and tr hearing from your own inner voice. You know, it's funny. You asked me like, what would cause me to go there? The only thing that caused me to go was the voice of the Lord. But the only reason I knew that I needed to go is because I knew it wasn't my voice. Mm -hmm. And there was a time in my life where I would have had a fear of missing out or I would have had a fear of, of not being connected or not, you know, but that's not the case. Once you die to stuff, you, and you have to keep dying, obviously. And the more you die, you have to die more. Um, yeah. Take up your cross daily. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not like this one all be all deal, yeah. but living a life of, of, I love using the word death so much in a nice believer <laughs> podcast. <Yeah. laughs> hey, Narrowgate graduates, if you want to follow the Lord, die a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we need people who say that with a smile on their face. Right. So yeah. the, the, the guys think, oh yeah, maybe there's something to that. That's yeah. not, that is not bad advice, man. Right. Like that's, 
That's it. It's going to be painful mm-hmm. because guess what? Death is painful. Mm. It's not, it's not in our own nature to do it. We rely on the Holy spirit to do it and it's painful. So it's not mm. going to be fun. Wow. But you find the intimacy with the Lord and that becomes a reward. So I end up going to Israel. Um, I'm in Israel, un- undetermined, unplanned, didn't even know this. But when I got back, my friends were telling me that they counted the days I was gone. And I was, I left on one day and I came back on the 42nd day. And so I was in Israel for 40 days exactly. Wow. Which is cool. I love when yeah, stuff like just, that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, honestly, I've been in times, I mean, it was several times in my life now, but I, it's like, I knew from the moment that I got to the airport First of all, I'm the only non-Israeli passport holder on the whole airplane. They're repatriation flights. They're not like normal flights. I'm the only non-Israeli passport. I don't know if they're even going to let me on the plane. These are all the things that are like come with trying to follow the Lord is you don't really get the whole picture right away. (laughs) And, but I know from the first Israeli that I meet, who's still my friend, Asaf, he's still an amazing, he's, I mean, we still talk. He's going back to Israel now. He did a hundred days of reserve duty and he's going back. He's like such an amazing guy. He has Mm -hmm. a two month old son uh, married, you know, and he had to go to Israel with a two month old son to be on reserves for a hundred days. So you're talking about over three months he's in reserve. So for him to then find out that this, this believer in Jesus has a pregnant wife and two sons, and he's doesn't have to go back for reserve duty, just like he doesn't have to, but he's Israeli. So he's like, Oh, I have to, and I'm a believer. And somehow you're saying you have to also go it's like we're instant brothers, like instantly. Yeah. It's like there's a common, yeah. a common loss and a common. And so for me, I was so accepted and so loved by all of these non-believing Israelis. They loved me because they saw that there was a cost associated with me going. The believers loved me, but they didn't really relate to the, the cost. They related to, to the promise and to the prophetic and to, you know, the Lord speaking and you responding. But um, the, the idea that you are in a place at an appointed place at an appointed time. And I've never, I've had it before, but I was so, so confident for the exact days that I was there. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. (laughs) And I knew the Lord had put me there for just those moments. And there's all sorts of cool stuff that was like outside of myself that I ended up like the place that I was in was it's in this, the first agricultural settlement of all of Israel called Petatikva, 1878. It was bought by the Zionists, started as a citrus farm, tried to remove the marshlands. It was the very first place that was tried to be settled before, as the Jews tried to come back to the promised land. Yeah. And I get to be there at this time, which I think is like the time of them coming to be reborn spiritually. Wow. You know? So... I can go on for days and days about yeah. stuff like that too. Uh, I mean, I, I know we got to wrap up soon, but uh, I just want to tell you like something that I really admire about you and just the the heart and character that's coming out of just hearing you talk. Um, I've been I've been reading and studying Romans lately. Um, I do that a lot actually. Romans is yeah. kind of awesome, but uh, specifically in chapter two, um, Paul starts off just kind of. You know, he's just painted this really dark picture of humanity and like the barbarians and the, you know, the, the, the wicked doers in chapter one and all the evil, you know, the, the, the sexually immoral and, and everybody. And then in chapter two, it's like he turns over and he looks at the, the, the 
the, the Jews, the believing Jews in the audience that are like, yeah, those guys definitely deserve the wrath of God. They definitely deserve punishment, you know, get them. And then Paul's like, no, uh, you are, you have no room to judge. You do the same things. Yeah. And like, uh, so I've been thinking about this idea of, um, of believers that are constantly pursuing, following the, the, the laws of God so that they can please God. And so that God will be, um, ha- happy with them and show them favor. And, uh, and I'm just reminded of how, of how that's not how God works. You know, like you cannot earn more favor or more approval from God by right. doing a series of works. And so the thing that I admire about you is your, um, your passion for God and your uh, commitment to follow him is not based on whether or not he uh, blesses or whether he repays you for your good works or your, you know, your, 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 your holy, your set apart lifestyle. Because I feel like the problem that a lot of people get in is it, it even it happened to me after I graduated Narragate, you know, I started, you know, I wasn't doing all the bad things that I used to do. I wasn't, you know, drinking, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't partying. I was, you know, a better person. I was getting up at five in the morning and, and reading the Bible and praying and all this stuff. And then running toward the right things for exactly. the wrong reasons. <laughs> well, kind of I mean, I, and even then it was like, I felt like it was for the right reasons. But then when something really hard happens or something really bad happens or tragic, you know, it's like, there's this thing and it's like, well, God, what in the world? Like I've been, yeah, I've been I've been doing all these things, and like, why is this happening? And that's such a that's such a pitfall because it it, it puts people in the complete wrong mindset about why hard things happen. Yeah. And so, just everything that you've been saying shows me that like you you're not in it for an outcome. You're in it for for God. He is he is the end. He's not a means to an end. And I just I really appreciate that about you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be that one disciple that goes all the way with him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so, well, I mean, it, we, we typically, I, I feel like, golly, there's, this is, this is rich with stuff for, you know, for, for guys to glean from graduates or not, you know, but we, we typically like to ask our guests, you know, if there's, if you, if you can think of kind of our target audience, which is, which is the narrow gate community guys who've, uh, who've graduated, you know, and, and again, as, as we've been around for as many years now, there's We're guys, our 20th year. Hey, what, is this the 20th? Mm-hmm. Oh man. That 10 year party feels like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, sorry. So we've got guys like graduating 18, 19 years old, all the way up to guys in their forties with families. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if there's, if there's, if you can think about blessing those guys with, with any parting words of wisdom or encouragement, what would that be? I like what he said earlier. I know. I, was, I feel dialogue. like he's already said it. Yeah. That was it. It's it's like the dialogue. Dialogue. Yeah. However you want to sum it up, man, or just. Yeah. I think the, I think the idea of try to hear his voice, try to do what he tells you to do. Don't hold on to anything. Be willing to let go of everything. Be willing to call him Lord over everything. Hmm. And trust him <laughs> you know i read a bible that almost everywhere it exchanges the word for faith for trust it's, yeah. it's like almost interchangeable and sometimes reading it with the word trust is like whoa because trust is active just so yeah. faith is unless it's active is dead it's like to actively trust the lord means that you aren't able to fulfill the things that need to be fulfilled you're not yeah. able to do the things that he's asked you to do <laughs> and yeah, I think I think learn to be uncomfortable. 
learn to be willing to be uncomfortable, learn to be willing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, that it's such a sweet time mm-hmm. for these young guys like coming out. I love telling guys about the season of the Lord changing the way that he interacts with you. Cause that caught me. Nobody told me that was going to happen. And everybody I talked to, they all tell me about this season. At some point, the Lord starts interacting with you differently. Mm-hmm. So be prepared for that too. Oh, and then Rick, not to throw him under a bus too much, but <laughs> I hated when he first started telling me this, but then it became like this, oh, this is kind of true, is don't worry, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> That's a great yeah. bit of advice. It's like when yeah. you die to something, it only there's only more stuff to die to. You yeah. know what, though? Like it gets worse, but the you are more prepared and you are more yeah. Yeah. mature and you are more yeah. able to endure so it's like it's kind of a you know i was about to say i mean that that's mm-hmm. that that word maturity i mean that that's what it mm-hmm. feel like that's what i'm aiming at is to be able to say that with peace in my heart and a smile yeah. on my face you know well cody man thank you so much for coming out here and sharing all this oh, it's uh, been great it's been man really, thank you really really good yeah. um i've enjoyed it signing off we forgot <laughs> we forgot how to do this part <laughs> nice nice